Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham, and I'm grateful for our time together. Thank you so much for listening. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's dive right in and enjoy today's discussion of God's Word. First, a brief reminder by way of introduction to today's thoughts. The first key concept in the name of this program is seek, and the first key passage behind that concept is Hebrews 11 verse 6. The New International Version says it this way, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Previously, we spent a lot of time building the foundation of believing that God exists. A good summary of that truth is given just a couple verses earlier in Hebrews 11.3, where the New King James Version says it this way, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. How true that is. Well, today we're going to shift to looking into the second concept of our name, search. You may recall that Acts 17 verse 11 commended the Bereans who were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. We're going to talk more about this need for the scriptures. The scriptures are the source of knowing God's will for our lives. Then we'll try to bring things back around to the latter idea of God being a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. What will be our basis for this discussion today? Psalm 19. The construction of Psalm 19 is interesting. The first six verses are what we looked at before, focused on how the creation tells us that God exists. Recall how it starts. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. But then the psalmist abruptly switches to a second theme. How valuable and profoundly important the scriptures are. This is why we should search them to see what is so. Let's read Psalm 19 verses 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So, Psalm 19 starts by saying, There is a God. But then it says, This God has spoken to us and blessed us tremendously through His Word. Let's look back at this passage. Think about some of the descriptions of God's revealed will. It's called law, statute, commandment. Simply put, There are things that God has told us to do and not to do. Either we submit to His will, His law, His statutes, and we obey His commandments, or we violate them. 
which is sin. This should remind us of what Jesus said in the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 27. The English Standard Version reads, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Before we go on, just think about that word. The condemnation is those who were lawless. Verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So let us hear and do what Jesus has said. Let us hear and do the will of God. Now, think about this. If we have a good heart, how will we view things? We'll look at the law of God, we'll look at that law that God has given us and see it as perfect. We will see his statutes are right. We will see his commandment is pure. And we'll see that we are blessed incredibly by them. The scriptures enlighten us, they convert us, and they cause us to have joy. This reminds me of another psalm. Psalm 1, the first three verses, ends up giving a contrast that comes into play in our thoughts now. The New American Standard Version says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers." Do we value the Word of God in this way? If we do, we will be diligent to search the Scriptures to see what is actually so and to do it. Let me pause here to say I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to me with your comments or questions. My email address is seeksearch, that's all one word, seeksearch at yahoo.com. Also, if you're on Facebook, look up Seek Search as two words and like the page. I look forward to connecting with you in these ways. Now consider, the testimony of the Lord is sure. What God says is 1,000% true. Let's think about this. What is testimony? Well, testimony is a statement of one who is a witness to an event. And let's think back. What's the very first thing that God testified about? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No one else witnessed that. No one else could give us an account of how it all actually got started. 
the testimony of the Lord is sure, and we can be sure that his testimony is true about that and about everything else he has done. This statement in Psalm 19 goes on to say, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Those who the world might see as simple can be truly wise. Do you want that? Then search the scriptures. Accept the testimony of the Lord. But the world rejects the testimony of the Lord and what is true wisdom. The world seeks to define its own concept of wisdom apart from acknowledging God. This contrast of wisdom of God versus wisdom of the world is explained very thoroughly starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 and following. Now, I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to explain up front. I'm going to read a very lengthy passage here because the Bible does the explaining, and it's good for me to get out of the way. I'll, I may make a comment or two, but for the most part, this is just reading and absorbing and digesting the Word of God as it is. So, from the English Standard Version, I'm going to start at 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, and get going for a while. Let's read together. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Okay, I'm going to pause here and just make modern application of this. Think about it. For those who are wise according to worldly standards, how many college professors respect the gospel? Not many. How many politicians, those who rule over us, how many celebrities, how many of the wealthy in society really take the word of God seriously? Not many will. They value and seek their own way, not respecting the way of God. So that's his point that he's making when he's talking there in verse 26. Let's continue in verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's keep going in chapter 2. 
And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Let's pause. Did you notice the testimony of God right there? He says, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What a contrast. This is the contrast of the mindset of the world versus the mind of Christ. Which will we have? What will we value? And to the opposite side, what will be foolish to us? Will we value God's wisdom and the world's wisdom be foolish? Or will we choose the opposite? Now, I know that was a lot of reading, but that's part of the nature of this program is letting the Bible do the talking where possible and just kind of piecing together what God is saying in these different passages. And so I'm going to go ahead and add to that another passage where Paul tells the Ephesians some things that we need to consider at this time. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. So, Paul is telling the Ephesians he wrote it down for them and, by extension, for us 
to read and understand what God revealed to him. This is the value of the written word we have today, the Bible, the scriptures that we can search. Now, all of that is to say, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We need to be simple. We need to be humble. We need to be open to being made wise by the study of the scriptures God has inspired and preserved for us. Now, for the rest of Psalm 19, we're going to move on more quickly through some of the rest of the thoughts. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. This reminds me of Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Profound respect for God is where it all starts. And we need to be reminded of that. And we need to keep that foundation so that we develop godly wisdom. Psalm 19 goes on to say, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. How God sees and judges things is where truth is. He defines what is right, and he will judge. This reminds us of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. There will be no escaping the judgment of God. And recall what Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. God will judge, and his judgments, based on the word we have received from Christ, are altogether true and righteous. Now, how do we value all this that God has revealed to us? How should we? More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, and sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Do we really desire the testimonies and commandments of God more than this world's goods? Are they sweet and enjoyable to us? In other words, do we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, or do the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, Matthew 13? Verse 11 of Psalm 19 then says, Moreover, by them your servant is warned. Will we heed the warnings of the scriptures? And in keeping them, there is great reward. Well, that idea points us right back to Hebrews 11.6, where it talks about God rewards those who earnestly seek him. In keeping the law, the statutes, the commandments of God, there is great reward. But we must earnestly seek him. That's why Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then the next chapter over, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, 
thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you want to be complete and thoroughly equipped? Do you want to be approved to God? Search the scriptures and do what God says. Now at this point, I'm going to add in one more example, but this example is a warning for us to consider. Think about the Sadducees. The Sadducees, back in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 23, they ended up coming and testing Jesus, having an elaborate hypothetical that they thought really was going to pin him down because it, it, it probably confused a lot of others whenever they wrestled with it. But Jesus' rebuke to the Sadducees is very sharp and very noteworthy. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29. But Jesus answered them, you are wrong. And why does he say you're wrong? Jesus answered them, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. What a sharp rebuke to those who didn't take God and his word seriously. Let's not be like them. Now, when we truly recognize God as creator and his law as our instruction, we become very aware of our weaknesses and shortcomings and failures before him. Thus, the writer continues in verses 12 and 13 of Psalm 19. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. When we recognize our shortcomings in relation to God, we seek God's help. We seek his mercy and his grace and his blessing, desiring to become blameless and innocent in his eyes, in his judgment. And we desire the conclusion of the psalm to be a description of our lives before him. The very last verse, verse 14, concludes and says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Well, that wraps up our time for today. May we seek God and seek his things and seek his ways by searching the scriptures. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it was a blessing for you. You have been listening to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham. You can contact me by emailing seeksearch at yahoo.com. On Facebook, get connected by liking the Seek Search page. I hope you'll join me each Saturday at noon for the next edition of Seek Search.